All right, today's lesson is entitled The Rise of Abraham Lincoln. So some of you are finished with uh, reading Killer Angels by Michael Shara. Good book. I thought that was pretty enjoyable. And um, we're going to begin um, reading the lectures, the speeches, and some of the personal letters of Abraham Lincoln. You know, try to get to know the man, get to know the times that he, that he served in on. But um, why, just to begin uh, this idea, why did Michael Shara choose Killer Angels as his title? Nick? Because there was a quote in the book where Chamberlain had quoted Shakespeare to his father about how men are angels. And his father said, if men are angels, then they are murdering angels. And he went to school and talked about killer angels. Hmm. So you can see that the Battle of Gettysburg and the way that Michael Shara writes about it is really a tale of, of man. Is man an angel? Or is man a killer? Or is man a killer angel? So that question, what is man? It really does capture the... Um, the philosophies and the ideas that were swirling in the world, in Western Europe and in America in those days. We've been talking about that for quite a bit. And of course, we've, we've learned that Christianity and humanism has two different takes on that, on that question, right? Well, at the Battle of Gettysburg, nearly 50,000 people die. And you begin to see, especially in places like Devil's Den, where they're fighting face-to-face, Bayonet to bayonet, and there's bodies strewn all over the ground. Um, you get to see that man truly is glorious and brave and courageous and loyal, but also murderous and violent and wrathful. So you really do get to see a good picture of what man is at the Battle of Gettysburg. And many men die that day. But um, another thing that dies at the, at the Battle of Gettysburg is really the vision of the North and of the South. We talked about it recently that the, the culture of the North and the culture of the South were like two different countries. The North descended from the Puritans, whose ancestors, or whose, whose descendants, I should say, uh, soon apostatized and followed Unitarianism. Industrialization had taken place in the North, a lot of technological gains, a lot of urbanization, it wasn't so much of an agrarian economy anymore, but more of an urban industrialized economy. Very powerful, very rich, um, and very unitarian, non-Christian, secularized, very similar to Western, to Western Europe. Whereas in the South, they believed themselves to be building heaven on earth. It was, I guess, the last remnants of medieval feudalism. Y'all know what feudalism is, where you have a lord with a castle, and you have peasants and everyday people working around that castle. And there's a covenant between the Lord and the people. If they're invaded, they go into the castle and he protects them, right? But then they pay tribute to him. You've seen that in uh, medieval movies and you've read about that when you studied the Middle Ages. So the South saw themselves as the remnants of medieval feudalism. And even the last stand of the old Christendom, they saw themselves as Zion, or the kingdom of heaven on earth. And they believed in an agricultural, agrarian society with aristocratic heads. Of course, you can go to any plantation, and you can see it's not unlike a feudal manor. 
like a castle with the peasants all living around it, right? And in the south, black slaves as well living all around it. And so the north and their vision of a secular state and the grandeur of man through technology and science and centralization, something patterned after Napoleon, I would say, and the south's vision of an agrarian, slower-paced, Christian, aristocratic society, both those visions of what the world should be died at the Battle of Gettysburg. You know, the north... They may have praised man and thought that man could build a shining city on a hill, but that died at Gettysburg. And the South, they, of course, holding on to the institution of slavery, poisoned themselves and, uh, and were judged by God. And they lost everything that they were trying to build as well. So many men died that day in Gettysburg, but so too did the visions of, of the North and the South. And um, <clears throat> amidst all of this was... Of course, the issue of slavery. You know, we're going to be talking about this time period for quite some time, just like we talked about the French Revolution and the founding of America. We're going to be talking about this time period in the 19th century. And um, the cancer of slavery is all around. It's in the North. It's in the South. You know, America had a wolf by, the, by its ears, Jefferson said. Couldn't hold on to it and couldn't let it go. Right? If they let go of slavery and they freed all of the slaves, what would inevitably happen or immediately happen? Entire economies collapse. Famine, starvation. You know, Lincoln is going to wrestle with the idea, if we free all the slaves, what do we do? And, and many of the slaves were left uneducated and unassimilated to American culture. So it would be like um, establishing a, an entirely different culture and country right in the middle of your own country. Then there was racism and Darwinianism that taught that blacks were not equal to whites. So people were dealing with all these issues. Um, Abraham Lincoln was considering sending them all back to Africa. He even created uh, this idea of a state in South America called um, Lincolnian, if I remember correctly, where he would send all the slaves there. They're trying to figure out how do we free them all but not um, collapse society, at least what they thought would happen. And uh, it's, a, it's a major deal. A lot of stuff is going on. It's very complicated. Um, and um, in the Constitution, it says all men are created equal. So does America continue to go on living in total hypocrisy, Right. Or does America bite the bullet, pay the price for change, and free all the slaves? Well, some people had one idea and other people had other ideas, right? So on that battle, on that... Uh, so anyway, moving on. Amidst all of this stuff, the death of the northern dream, the death of the southern dream, the death of 50,000 soldiers just at Gettysburg, sort of the collapse of the old United States and the issue of slavery, there's one man who um, kind of rises above everyone and becomes the most prominent man in that time period. Uh, and his name is Abraham Lincoln. Eventually became the president. All right, he's on the penny. Can you all picture that in your mind? Anybody have a penny in here? Probably more likely to have a debit card than a penny, I guess. But um, does anyone, can you picture it in your mind, though? 
In the ancient world, whose, whose face were put on coins? Caesar's and God's. And of course, Caesar believed himself to be God. Have you ever seen uh, the Lincoln Memorial in, uh, <coughs> in Washington, D.C.? Does it, does it, you've seen it. Does it look like anything in particular to you? It's a massive statue. It's as, it's as big as this building. It's huge. He's sitting in a throne, so like with great like awe at the center of a massive cathedral with Greek pillars all out in front of it. Do you see what, what is being said here? He is thought of as a god. Yeah, he is one of the, the gods of our civil religion. You could say um, he's treated like a god. He's um, in many places today. He's celebrated without any reservations. You know, and in fact, if you say anything negative about Lincoln, um, people are going to, you know, marginalize you, shame you, etc. But his uh, image is engraven really on our own, in our own minds. We can see his image like the way the Chinese could see the image of Mao. Or the Russians could see the image of Lenin or Stalin. Or the French could see the image of Napoleon standing there with his big hat and his hand in his coat. We can picture Lincoln. He's that big of a person. His face is on um, the giant memorial in the Dakotas. Um, The name of that mountain skips my mind right now. Washington and Lincoln and Jefferson. Um, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, Mount Rushmore. There you go. Yeah, I mean, he is a looming figure. So we're going to be reading his personal letters and his speeches, and, and uh, we're going to learn a lot about him. But here's a little bit about his background. Here you go, real quick. Born in Kentucky, pretty much born in poverty, but he went to school, studied law, became a lawyer, became a politician, a state senator, then an actual senator, and eventually he ran for president under the Republican Party, a new party that had formed in those time periods, and he ran... Um, with the issues of uh, you know slavery and states' rights and Missouri comp- the Missouri uh, the three fifths compromise and the Missouri uh, Covenant and the Dred Scott case, we'll talk about all these things. All these things are happening while he's while he's president. So, but as soon as he becomes president, because people know what he thinks about slavery and about states' rights, because he's been debating and writing speeches and been a politician for quite some time. He was a senator before. As soon as he becomes president, North Car- South Carolina pulls out of the union. They're like, if he's president, we're done. So South Carolina was a cotton state, and their entire economy was structured around slave labor. And so they immediately pull out South Carolina, that's right. <clears throat> Lincoln, it seems from his letters, tries to uh, make for peace. But he sends troops down there. And shots are fired at Fort Sumter, which was a federal fort that uh, the South Carolina soldiers tried to take in 1861. And Lincoln stops the rebellion. And the war begins. And four years later, in 1865, the war ends. Lee surrenders. So from 1861, right after the election of Lincoln, to 1865, the war rages. 
and Lee surrenders. Then five days after the war ended, Lincoln is assassinated <laughs> by John Wilkes Booth, an actor from Maryland. So shots are fired at Fort Sumter by the South in 1861. Abraham responds. And there's a lot of debate as to whether or not he's responded well or not. You know, the debate still rages still to this day. And then the war goes for four years until 1865 when Lee surrenders. Five days later, he's assassinated in a theater by an actor named John Wilkes Booth from Maryland. <clears throat> so we're going to be talking a lot about him. One of his uh, greatest accomplishments is what we call the Emancipation Proclamation. All right, you need to write that down, the Emancipation Proclamation. He enacted that in the, the middle of the Civil War, and the Emancipation Proclamation frees all of the slaves in the southern states. Interesting, right? Doesn't free all the slaves. The slaves continued in Maryland and other places. But it does free all the slaves in the southern states. Now, why would he do something like that? What were his intentions or motivations? We're going to talk about that. We're going to read all about that. And he also, one of his great accomplishments, according to most, is that he kept the southern states in the Union. You remember the cotton states succeeded. And then upon Lincoln's response, the rest of the southern states joined with the cotton states. And he forced them all to stay in the Union. Right. So he changes in many ways the structure of our nation. As you already learned earlier, our nation was a bunch of different little states or little kingdoms, and they covenanted together in the Constitution. Remember? They were states, but, and they were united by the Constitutional Covenant, but they were not one like the federal government didn't have authority, total authority over the states. So you could say in a simple way that before Lincoln, it was the United States with a little U. And then after Lincoln was the United States with a big U. So that was one of his greatest, for good or for bad, one of his greatest accomplishments. He unites all of the states into one nation. Is he doing this because he's a nationalist? Does he believe in empire like Napoleon? Does he truly love the slaves and want to free them? Does he believe in the equality of all men? Right. Is he a God walking on earth? Should he be <coughs> celebrated or is perhaps he a devil? Is he an angel or a killer angel? Was he a Christian? The answer to that is no. But did he hate Christians? Right. What was his worldview? These are all the things we're going to be studying, and we're going to be studying them by reading his actual speeches. So you're really going to get to see it. Make sense? All right. That's it for today.